What does me having to eat and not eat and choose not to eat cookies anymore have to do with COVID-19? Taking responsibility for our behavior. Hey, I'm Melina, and essentially this is a one-woman show about a girl finding her way called Don't Forget Your Lipstick. Don't get it twisted though, this is not about makeup or specifically only centered towards love and relationships, but more about how young women can learn to love themselves. Also, heads up, I record all these podcasts in my living room, so you'll be hearing the natural sounds of construction. Oh, yep right here in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, even though it's raining today. I know. All right, let me set the scene for you. I know we keep saying that we are living such uncertain times unprecedented times in our lives because of a deadly virus, right? And yet, although we know the consequences of our actions, we have been told time and time again to do our part, right? To stop the spread of a virus that is changing the way we live daily, right? The hand washing, you know, we keep being told to hand wash, to wear a mask, to social distance, to be two meters apart, right? I feel like I repeat this to myself every goddamn day. But yet, uh, I'm still seeing some of us, right? I'm still seeing some of us, a lot of us actually, not caring. Maybe I shouldn't say not caring. Maybe they're oblivious to what is happening. Maybe they're tired, right, of staying home. Maybe they need someone close to them to die. I said that to my friend the other day. I said, maybe, maybe some people need to see someone die because of the coronavirus for them to change the way they're living right now. I hate saying that. I hate death. I've had so many people around me die when I was younger and probably the reason why I hate flowers so much. I just remember the smell of death and flowers and bouquets and maybe some people need someone close to them to die in order to change, in order for something to spark inside to begin that change. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I I had a friend tell me the other week, Melina, be proactive, not reactive. And it got me thinking, why do we wait until something happens, whether it's good or bad, to find solutions? Let me repeat that question to you. Why do we wait until something happens to find solutions? And right, we all experience moments and events 
that seemingly force us to change or do something different, right? Hopefully something better. I think of a few things right now, like when I used to have an apartment, when I used to be renting, and I used to tell myself, I'm so lucky rent is cheap, right? But I would always, always make sure that in case my landlord were to spike up my rent, I would still be able to live there. Like I wouldn't wait until they'd come knocking like, hey, we're going to raise you 15%. And then I'd be like, oh no, wait, wait, I can't, I can't live that way. I can't afford it. Or I remember, and I, I know this happens all the time and it's probably why I hate working for an employer, why I hate having my own boss, because sometimes I feel like they're so oblivious to things like this happening, which is someone quits. Your colleague is quitting, but now your employer thinks you're going to pick up the slack. No, no. Why are you, why do you wait until someone quits to realize this is a toxic environment, right? Like, it's normal someone is going to eventually quit. My bosses are always like, she left. Now what? Let's hire someone. And I'm looking at them like, before we hire, can we have a conversation about what happened? What went wrong? What we can do as a company to ensure that no one else will leave us? They never do it. They never listen to me. Why would they listen to me? I'm just a 28-year-old who has a big mouth, right? Melina, oh, Melina, she just talks a lot. She's got this big mouth. A lot of these events force us, force us to face them, right? But yet so many of us choose to continue that pattern, those habits, and now look at us, reacting, reacting last minute, I've got this fly in the house. This fly does not seem to want to die. <laughs> I keep talking about death and I apologize. This is normally a very, I would say, therapeutic podcast, joyful. Um, but I have this fly flying around and I've, I've learned to live with it, right? I've learned to accept that I can't kill it. It's just faster than me. But here it is. Hindsight is 2020, and a great way to learn and grow is by doing a mirror test, right? Like if you are worried about your job, money, your future during this crisis, look in the mirror, look in the mirror and ask yourself, I think you should write this down. I never give you guys heads up to write things down, but write this down. Okay. What was I saying? Yes. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, what is this crisis teaching me? What is it teaching me about work, about money? And what will I do differently this time? Yeah, now I'm angry. Now I was calm and now I'm angry. <laughs> Might also be the construction outside. <laughs> but seriously, we are perhaps entering a second phase of the virus right here in Canada. And I still have friends. I love my friends, but I still have them asking me, Melina, what do I do? We've been in this mess for seven months. Get a mirror and ask yourself, 
What is this crisis teaching me about me, work, money, and what will I do differently once this ends? When I was looking up proactive versus reactive, I came across this doctor, Dr. Stephen R. Covey, I believe is how we pronounce his name. You should check him out. He wrote a book a very, very long time ago, not about the coronavirus, but his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is an old book. I haven't read it, but he presents a holistic principle-centered approach for solving personal and professional problems. Now, his quote that I came across is, the proactive approach to a mistake is to acknowledge it instantly, correct and learn from it. So he sees proactivity as the foundation of all other habits and therefore has proactivity as habit number one that human beings should instill in their lives, personally and professionally. So being proactive is about taking responsibility for your life, right? And I noticed I started doing this a long time ago. And for me, it started with my health. And I'm going to take it back to all those people around me who died. People around me died at young ages, 66, 30, 70. Yes, some of them due to illness. Most of my grandparents, most, I mean, we all have four, if we're lucky. I grew up only learning and knowing three grandparents, but they all died before I even turned 16 years old. They died because of health conditions, right? Cancer, pulmonary diseases and whatnot. And I remember going to one of my last funerals. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember I was 16 years old, not older than 16. I was in high school still. Like I was still like growing as a woman. (laughs) I was still like, my body was transforming itself. And I remember going to see my family doctor alone. I didn't go with my mom. I didn't go with my dad, but I was going in and I had questions and I, you should know this about me. I hate doctors. I hate hospitals. I hate clinics. I hate everything scientific. I like natural, vegan, organic, (laughs) Yep, I like those words. Those are the words I like. (laughs) But I've learned that you can actually heal yourself from within. You don't need a magic pill and you do not need drugs to cure yourself. I learned that very early on in my life because at 16, I wasn't into drugs and I wasn't into getting a tattoo to be a rebel and I wasn't into getting piercings. Like I have zero piercings except for the the first holes my parents pierced in my earlobes. Nothing. I don't even have a belly button piercing. I think it's tacky. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, girls. You you enjoy that. I don't. I don't like piercings and I don't like tattoos on me. Tattoos are hot on other people, but on me I feel like who am I trying to who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? What does this butterfly even represent? Nothing. What is my mother's name on my bicep mean? Nothing. I know my mother's name. I don't need to have it tattooed on me. But back to taking responsibility for your life. So I was 16. I went into the doctor's office and you know, your first health check doctors are like, okay, so what's your family history like? And then I'm like, well, 
my family kind of doesn't tell me everything. So all I know is my, my grandfather died of cancer. Which one? I don't know. But he died of cancer. Maybe all of them. He, I don't know. Um, my grandmother was always coughing and she died of stomach issues and um, pulmonary. She had trouble breathing. And, you know, till this day at 28, I still don't even really know why they died or how they died. Everything is a blur almost like it's taboo to talk about diseases, right? And all I remember telling the doctor was, well, I know my dad has high blood pressure, cholesterol, a thyroid problem. Um, yeah, so I don't want any of that. I remember like sitting down at the doctor's office and being like, listen, I don't like coming to see you. So what do I need to do to never come back here again? Legit, that's what I said. <laughs> and the doctor looked at me like, well... Um, and I was heavier at 16. I was a little heavy, you know, that's, that was the, that was the time where I was eating chocolate chip cookies, you know, the chips ahoy, the Mr. Christie cookies. I w I was able to eat a whole row of those goddamn cookies with milk every night. I don't eat cookies anymore. I have like nightmares about cookies because I used to eat so many of them. It's probably the reason why I'm still trying to get rid of these love handles, right? <laughs> And the doctor looked at me and said, well, Melina, you could, you know, a lot of these diseases, you could never get them. And I said, what do you mean? My parents tell me they're hereditary. I'm conditioned to believe that because of my parents and grandparents, this is genetics. I'm going to get cholesterol. I'm going to have a thyroid problem. And I'm most probably going to get cancer. This is how I was brought up to believe. I was conditioned to believe that I am thick boned or I'm thicker than smaller, skinnier women because I'm Italian and we eat carbs. And this is because people find external sources to blame for their behavior. You'll always see a big person say, well, I'm big because my family's big. They'll never blame the fact that they're eating those chocolate chip cookies at 11 o'clock at night and dipping them, dunking them in milk, right? No one will ever blame their behavior. They will blame their ancestors. And so what did I do at 16 years old? I literally 360 I 360'd, but more intentionally at 18 years old. I remember being in college. I took a gym class for the first time. I remember like at 16, I would take a hot yoga class with my girlfriends, but only to say that I did hot yoga because I thought it was sexy to tell a 16 year old boy, like I'm taking a hot yoga class because I want to be more flexible, thinking I would attract boys this way. I know, don't judge me. We're all in this together, okay? Hashtag ça va bien aller. It will. It'll get better if we assume that we blame other people for our problems. So at 18, I started getting healthier. I started working out. I started becoming more intentional with what I was putting into my body. I just kept remembering the doctors tell me, you don't need to catch any of these diseases. You can live your life without ever having diabetes or high cholesterol, Melina, as long as you eat healthy, drink lots of water, and move. Well, that's not hard. I gotta eat healthy, exercise, and drink water? Well, I'm gonna do that. So I did. But I remember like at 18 years old, that was the, that was the tipping point for me. I remember like I was in college and I was exercising and taking all these exercise classes and I was learning more and more about the body. And this is what I hate about 
high school classes. Like I was forced to take chemistry and physics and obviously gym class. But I mean, we never learned in high school the body. Why when I move this way, my bicep will be extended and why it's important to flex and actually have flexibility and why yoga is important, right? And why stretching is important before and after a workout. I only learned that at like 18 years old, 19, 20 years old. I never learned that growing up. So I started questioning everything around me like, okay, so my parents don't really work out. I don't come from a working out sort of background. I come from an eating background. Like we're just going to eat all day, every day. And if you haven't finished your plate, you're not leaving the table, right? Because you feeling full is unacceptable. I remember like my grandparents would force feed my sister. God bless her. She's still very skinny and tall. Lucky girl. Um, would have to tell my grandparents, stop it, I'm full. And they would say that was unacceptable and I would be there stuffing my face. Whereas now I've learned to listen to my body and when I'm done eating, I stop eating. So what does me having to eat and not eat and choose not to eat cookies anymore have to do with COVID-19? It has to do with our mindset and it has to do with taking responsibility for our behavior. The virus, ladies and gentlemen, is a reminder of something we've lost a long, long time ago. I feel like we're rebuilding a broken world right now. Everything feels a little broken and shattered. And right now, I feel like I now have a chance to choose a less busy life. And I know we see on the news companies losing money, companies closing down, shutting down, restaurants, bars, begging for support from our governments, from our city officials. I know, I see that every day. But with innovation, we could also welcome invention, right? Like innovation allows us to reinvent the wheel. And I have a lot of teacher friends. They never studied this in university, right? They never studied how to teach online, but they're doing it now. It's okay that not all kids are able to sit down for 12 hours a day to learn. I feel like COVID-19 may actually create a new change by forcing many of us hopefully to slow down, to spend more time reflecting away from all this noise. And I feel like with more quiet time, we have more privacy. I sometimes sit still just because, just because the workday was intense. And the, you know, the whole wearing of the masks outside, I just come home, I wash my hands, I remove the mask, and it's almost like peeling off all this energy. And I just sit still. Right now, COVID-19 is an opportunity to think about who we are as individuals and as a society. Look, I know I have friends who go out, they go to bars, they go to restaurants. They're always out. I see them on social media. I only go out to work. I also have friends who choose not to see me because they know what my job entails and they know that I have to go out. It's not a choice. I cannot always work from home. And so some of them are worried. Some of them, I have to just FaceTime to keep in touch. And that's okay. I'm hoping that with COVID-19, we can 
change our lifestyle a bit, right? I used to live in an, in a, in a time where 24 hours had to be filled up. My schedule had to be filled up. Like I used to be agitated and angry in a waiting room of a doctor's office. Or if I had been standing for 10 minutes or more, I'd be like, why am I, why, like, why? I could be doing so much in 10 minutes. And like, we grow impatient if, if whatever happens, like a printer is not printing fast enough or our boss is not responding to our email fast enough, like every minute counts, right? Or being connected all the goddamn time. Like I remember going into a restaurant and like being with my significant other and we'd both be on our phones and I'd be like, hey, wait, let's put these away. Let's talk. Or like you go out with your friends and you forget to take a selfie with them and post it on Instagram because now you're more in tune. You're more interested as to what your friend is going through. And because of the masks and everything, you just, you avoid your purse altogether. So you stop taking pictures, you stop posting, you're more in the moment. I am hoping that this happens for a lot of people. Everyone needs this. Everyone should sit in stillness for 10 minutes. I feel like prior to COVID, I was a slave to my phone. I was a slave to social media. I was a slave to urgent appointments and to-do lists and any addiction to nonstop stimulation by the external world, anything. I was addicted to it. And I'm hoping that now because of the virus, because of a possible second wave, although maybe not everything will be shut down, a lot of us will learn perhaps during the second wave that it's okay to be home alone. It's okay to go through a week alone. Take this time and learn about yourself. Learn about what bothers you. Learn about what doesn't bother you. Allow yourself to grow. Allow yourself to learn some new recipes. Do you remember at the beginning of COVID, people were like so proud of baking and stuff. And now I just feel like everyone's going out to buy the hottest donuts from a donut shop. And I'm all about supporting local businesses. But what I'm saying is, let's go back to taking that time and growing. Where there's growth, there's a lesson. This virus is a reminder of something lost a very, very long time ago. Connection. I want to know, and I'd like for you to write to me, you know, it could be either on the blog, wheretonextmelina.com, or you can send me a DM on Instagram at wheretonextmelina, or even on Facebook, wheretonextmelina. I want to know, what is this crisis teaching you? What have you learned? And what are you hoping to learn? I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I will be back next Monday, of course. I don't know how loud the construction was, but it kind of was soothing for me. I will see you all next week. Mwah. <laughs>